This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. Hey everybody, it's Don LaGreca with the Wednesday edition of Game Misconduct. We are getting down to the last few games, getting down to the nitty-gritty. A lot of these games really have meaning. Some teams already pretty much locked in to playoff position as we speak. The teams that have already clinched. We knew about Vegas, Colorado, and Minnesota, but Florida has been added to the list along with Tampa. Carolina clinched the other day. So the top three teams in the Central, all in. The top three teams in the West, all in. But things are still very much wide open in the East where Washington, another game without Alexander Ovechkin with a lower body injury, shuts out the Islanders one to nothing. They've won three in a row, seven of their last ten. They're trying to hold off Pittsburgh that lost last night to Boston, much to the chagrin of Ranger fans. They're seven, two, and one in their last ten. And they're battling for first place, just one point separating the two. However, the Capitals have a game in hand. The Islanders, I think, are going to have to accept their position of not winning this division. Now, what does it matter? I don't think it does. But if you've got a concern with the Islanders, it's their lack of of scoring. It's been a major issue now, two losses in a row. And with the exception of the 6 1 victory against the Rangers, this team is just not scoring goals. What is it, 12 goals in the last seven games? You eliminate that Ranger win, that's six goals that they've had in the last six. They're averaging a goal a game. And that's twice they were shut out by the Capitals. At least they earned a point in the shootout loss. Last night, they managed just 18 shots on goal. So I love this Islander team. I think they're built for the postseason. But here would be the concern for me is are they going to come up a goal short? Who is going to carry them offensively? Is it going to be Barzell? Is it going to be Eberly? You know, is Paul Mary going to kind of rise to the occasion here? You know, when the range when the Islanders went out and got Zajac and Paul Mary, I think they fit well for the postseason. Had postseason experience. Paul Mary's been known to score some big goals, but you're going up against teams they're going to find goals. And I don't want to have any kind of revisionist history here, all right? Because I didn't think Hall was a fit either. But when you see what he's doing in Boston and you wonder, is that the guy you wish you had now? Because even though he may not fit what you do, he is someone that can be explosive. He is someone that for a series can carry you. When you're struggling offensively, he's the guy that you fear if you're the other team. He's the guy you can stick on the power play, on the wall, at the center, and or between the circles, and just wreak havoc and really cause a lot of problems that can maybe open up ice for other guys. Now, it's easy to say that now, and I'm admitting that. Because if he had gone to Boston and had been a dud the way he was in Arizona and for much of the year in Buffalo, then we wouldn't be talking about that. But you know, now that he's got six goals now, is it four with Boston, and Boston has solidified a playoff position largely because he has scored some big goals for them, including one last night, you just you begin to wonder. And you just I'm not saying you should regret it. Lou certainly knows a lot more than we do. And if he doesn't fit, he doesn't fit. But Palmieri's not explosive. Zajac's not explosive. I mean, you sometimes as good, and I saw it with the Devils back in those years. You know, you look, you know, we look at the Lou Lamarillo Devils that won three championships in eight years. We did see a lot of, though, however, years in which they won their conference, went in as a one seed, and lost to Ottawa in the first round, lost to Pittsburgh in the first round, lost to the Rangers in the second round. Teams that were built to win the cup, but what happened, they come up a goal short in the postseason because 
It's great when you get that lead. It's great when you can really hold on to the one or two goal lead late. But when you need that goal, who is going to be that guy? And I think Lee certainly could have been that guy if he didn't get hurt. Not sure that Palmieri or Zajac are able to do that. We will see. Sometimes guys emerge you don't expect. And and listen, Barzell can just go nuts and score like 12 goals in two series. And next thing you know, you're in a conference final. And I just think it's something to worry about. And then 18 shots on goal. And the Capitals certainly are not known as, you know, a, a shutdown team by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, that just worries me a little bit. So maybe it's just a late season slump. They know they're in the playoffs, whatever. Maybe they'll figure it out. And we do know because we've seen, like, at Ranger game where, you know, things opened up and, and they scored six goals. But it's been few and far between here down the stretch of the season. They've won just four of their last 10. They're four, five, and one in that span of time. So they're still exceptional at home, although that regulation loss was their third of the season and two have come in the last couple of weeks. So, hey, I'm not picking on them, but I think they're a cup contender. And when you're a cup contender, you get scrutinized a little bit more than other teams. And so there's everything's got to be clicking on all cylinders if you're going to win four rounds and win a Stanley Cup especially coming out of this division. You know, Washington's done it recently. Pittsburgh's done it recently. Boston's been to a Stanley Cup final a couple of years ago. So you're going to be navigating through teams with a ton of experience here, and that would just be my only worry. Uh, Rangers beat the Sabres. Zibanejad power play goal. Um, Lafayette really looks good, guys. And, you know, this looks a lot like pre-pandemic when the Rangers were kind of clicking and then the pandemic came and everything got squashed. The future is so bright for this team because the young guys are playing. And you can look at Lafayette and say he's only got 10 goals in 50 games, but look what he's done on that top line. He has scored a point now in three consecutive games since joining that top line. He's got a couple of goals in that span, had the game winner last night. Kako looks better as the season wears on. This team's got a pretty bright future, but they're going to run out of road here this year. They're four points back of Boston. Boston still has those two games in hand. So even though the Rangers have won three straight, they're still they're still going to need a lot of help. And now, boy, does the schedule get tougher for them. Two against the Islanders, the first one coming up uh, tomorrow at the Garden and Saturday out of the Coliseum. Two against Washington, two against Boston. So you got to at least be within four and then have the tiebreaker if those games are going to be meaningful for the Rangers in the final two. Right now, they've got 25 uh, 23 row wins to Boston's 21. So there's a very good possibility if the Rangers keep winning, they will have the row win advantage, which means if they're within four, those games will be meaningful. But if Boston wins the two games they have in hand, that lead is going to be six, which means they're still going to have to make up some ground. They're still going to need to get help. But I'm not sure it's really going to be about this year for the Rangers, but still a lot to get excited about uh, down the stretch of the season. Boy, the Lightning have really woken up here with the seven goals they've got last night in a 7-4 to four romp of the Blackhawks. Uh, this is probably it for Chicago, right? Much like the Rangers, they're going to run out of road here. Uh, Chicago, they sit seven points back in Nashville. They do have the two games in hand, but they've just been 500 in their last 10. They've lost two in a row. Dallas had a tough loss to Carolina, but listen, Carolina is one of the best teams in the NHL, so they missed their opportunity to be able to gain ground on Nashville uh, as Nashville ended up blowing a lead against the Florida Panthers, who clinched their position 7-4. I still think Dallas is going to find their way in. Nashville's not going to be able to hold them off despite uh, Dallas and, and what they had to do against Carolina last night with the 5 
to one loss. Uh, but Carolina is just very, very good team, tremendous team. So I think Chicago's done. Dallas still has a shot, so that's one team in the Central. Arizona seems cooked to me. I know that they're only a one point uh, back of St. Louis, but St. Louis has got the three games in hand here, and plus Arizona's only won two of their last ten. So uh, I know technically they're still alive. So San Jose. San Jose sits five back with two games in hand, uh, with um, two more games played than St. Louis. I I think they're cooked too. Um, I think the four teams are set out west with the top three teams having already clinched. Calgary's interesting. Uh, They sit six points back of Montreal, um, Montreal is going to be taking on Toronto, Edmonton, uh, and, and Calgary. So the games are going to be tough for Calgary. Uh, still mathematically alive, but Montreal still has a game in hand. Druin has taken a leave of absence for the Canadiens. He's been out already with Gallagher out of the lineup. You know, Montreal still can be caught. So I'm going to have Calgary still in the conversation. And Vancouver still has to be considered, even though they're 10 points back. But they still have those five games in hand so technically if the win those five and with Montreal struggling a bit with just four wins in their last 10 let's keep Vancouver alive and let's keep the Rangers alive although on uh, life support so we're looking at really just getting down to just the precious few games of just positioning here and not to really throw cold water on the rest of the regular season but again I really don't know what positioning means it probably means here's where it, it, it's big okay It's big in the West because the winner of the West is going to take on most likely St. Louis. And what's the difference? Well, Vegas has got 70 points. St. Louis has got 48. So uh, I guess there's a reason to want to win the division because if, let's say, you're Vegas, you'd rather play St. Louis than Minnesota. So that's the difference there. So winning the West is going to be important right now. Four points separate Colorado and Vegas with Vegas uh, with Colorado having a game in hand. So positioning is important there. Positioning is probably important in the North as well. Toronto winning the division means they get Montreal, where they're 14 points ahead of the Canadians, as opposed to having to take on Winnipeg, who's a much better team. So probably is important there. Not sure it really means a lot in the East Uh, Does Washington want Boston? Do they want the Islanders? They've done well against the Islanders, so maybe they would take the Islanders. But to me, there's a lot of the same kind of stuff going on there. I'm not sure positioning is going to mean a lot in the East. Yeah, it's great to win your division, and it could mean something down the stretch. Remember, the way the playoff structure is going to be in the postseason is one plays four, two plays three within the division. Then when you come out of your division, you're going to reseed again where one plays four, two plays three. So having the best record in the NHL assures you that you'll always take on the worst team that's left. So having the best record can still be important, so there's still a reason to go out there and win games. Although I don't think that you know Vegas hits the ice against Colorado thinking about that tonight they're thinking about I want to win my 10th in a row I want to be able to hold off Colorado and win this division so I can take on St. Louis in the first round of the playoffs not really thinking about winning the president's trophy but the idea especially in the NHL where there's no load management there's no tanking it's all about just trying to go out there and win games every single night. So let's take a look at the games. We've got a 5.30 game today. So for people that live out east here, we'll have a game a little earlier in the day, and it's a big one, Vancouver and Ottawa. Ottawa's been a problem for all of these pl- potential playoff teams, but Vancouver's got to win these games in hand, and when you're taking on a team behind you in the standings, you got to win. 7 o'clock, St. Louis and Minnesota. St. Louis want to kind of put Arizona to bed here, have a chance to do that. 
uh, at 8 o'clock. Uh, it's always great when the Canadians and Maple Leafs get together. Canadians look to finish off uh, the Calgary Flames. Oilers and the Jets, that's always a lot of fun, right? Just watching Connor McDavid play. I, I know I've tweeted this out a lot. And people probably think I'm crazy. I watch Connor McDavid. I think he's as good as anybody I've ever seen. You know, now, is he Gretzky? No, he's not Gretzky. But I'll tell you what, he's faster than Gretzky. Um, and, and he is just captivating to watch play. Captivating. And this is one of the best players. This is a guy that could play in any era. Now, if he played back in the 80s, he'd need a protector. Uh, because he's he's diminutive compared to a lot of other guys, he probably would get uh, beat up a little bit. But if you put a uh, you know a Semenko on the same line with him, he would have that kind of protection. But God, he's special. He's got a chance to get a hundred points. He's on pace for ninety nine. So I would not bet against him getting a hundred points in fifty six games, which is just amazing, amazing to me. And speaking of McDavid, it made me think about Adam Fox, who I'm really petitioning to get the Norris Trophy this year, and I think he's very deserving. He leaves all the all defensemen in points and assists. And how about this stat for you if you're an Adam Fox fan, Ranger fan, who wants to see Fox win the Norris Trophy? There are, th- there are four players in the league right now that have over 40 points and are a plus 20 or better. And those, three play- those four players are McDavid, Dreisaitl, McKinnon, Fox. So Fox right now is among the elite players in the NHL. How do you not forget about consideration now? I'm not, I'm just outwardly petitioning him to get this award and hopefully he'll get a chance to get it. Another great game tonight. Good job out of NBC Sportsnet as they're going to be going out into the uh, the sunrise. And we'll talk about that in a second. Golden Knights and the Avalanche tonight, that battle for first place. Avalanche have the game in hand, but they're four points off the pace of Vegas. So you got the doubleheader tonight, NBC Sportsnet, the first game at seven, Blues and Wild. The second game, Avalanche and Golden Knights. 10 o'clock, Ducks and the Kings. And at 10.30, Coyotes and Sharks must win uh, for the Coyotes. All right, I wanted to get into um, the Turner getting involved uh, and they are now that second package. First of all, I want to just say this. The excitement over the television package in the NHL has been very interesting to me because there's always this talk, oh, it's the fourth sport, nobody cares. And yet when ESPN got it and ABC, people freaked out. TNT getting involved. Um, I think it's great. I think there's a lot of attention, and it's going to be fun. You see how well the connection between ABC, ESPN, and TNT has been for the NBA. I'm really intrigued to see how it's going to be for the NHL. But before we really get into that, I want to just really show a lot of appreciation for the job that NBC did. And it's been a long and winding road with them that started after the lockout when it was OLN and all the things they had to go through, and then it changed over to Versus, and then eventually became NBC Sportsnet, and there was a lot of mocking after the lockout. Look at the NHL. They've got to buy their way on television. Yeah, they've got NBC, but OLN, what a joke. And NBC, I think, over the last 15 years has done an amazing job of selling this sport. They've done a great job with the Winter Classic, which now belongs to TNT. I think they've made a concerted effort, certainly more than any other uh, television package in the years, of really marketing and selling the Canadian teams. We have seen Edmonton. Uh, We have seen Toronto uh, on NBC. We've seen Toronto in the Winter Classic. So they've tried to expose. You're seeing here down the stretch, we've got a doubleheader tonight. Blues and Wild first game. Guess what? The second game's Oilers and the Jets. And so I think they've made a concerted effort to try to market the good players. I Listen, I know Edmonton and Winnipeg to some guy out there in Nebraska might as well be Mars, right? 
But you know what? Don't look at it that way. Look at it. I want to be able to put on television Dreisaitl and McDavid. I want to put on television Shifley and Connor and and the big guns there in Winnipeg. And that's the way you got to look at it. And that's what they've been able to do with the NBA. That's what the NHL is looking to see have happen here. And I think that's what makes it really exciting. So we'll see what TNT can do. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to just have... Um, something new, something fresh, but uh, in no way, shape, or form do I want to um, disrespect or disregard the amazing job that NBC did over the last decade and a half, and hopefully uh, ABC, ESPN, and TNT and that connection can do as good a job, if not better. And I think that's the most important thing for hockey fans who want to be able to see the exposure for their sport to grow their sport. As I mentioned, TNT is going to have the Winter Classic, and that's gonna they get a lot of, a lot of high expectations because I think NBC has done a tremendous job with that. So now we go to your tweets at Don LaGreca, hashtag game misconduct, always the way to be able to get in touch with me. So let's dive right into the latest here with what you have to say about your team. Let's go to Calvin. It's like, hey, Don, hope all is well. With some teams already out of the playoffs and some teams playing terribly, if any team in the playoffs could take one player from the bottom five teams uh, for uh, the bottom five teams for a playoff run, who would you who would benefit and who would they take? Uh, listen, how would you not take a, a Panarin or a Zibanejad, right? I mean, those guys uh, over an 82 game schedule, I think they would be able to get their teams into the playoffs. And even though they're not going to go into the playoffs, I mean, Panarin should get some consideration for the heart, right? I mean, he did leave because of the absence there with the Russian thing, but look how good he has been, <laughs> averaging over a, a point a game. Zibanejad has been terrific. You'd certainly uh, take players off of that team I would think for sure uh, as far as other teams that are going to miss uh, the playoffs and who would you would take well I don't think Chickering's going to be able to make it with Arizona he's a Norris Trophy candidate you would definitely take him on your team if you were going to miss you would take Patrick Kane certainly uh, in Chicago what a tremendous job he has done so far in his career if Calgary doesn't make it you would love Johnny Gaudreau on your team you'd love Brock Besser on your team from Vancouver if, if they're going to miss the playoffs so those are some of the players that I think playoff teams would love to have right now uh, if they were able to kind of pick them away. Let's go to Tony. He says, considering TNT deal is finalized and with ESPN getting the main rights to hockey back, what can both companies do <laughs> to make sure people will want to watch the sport? Interviewing big stars only will get you so far. Also, can't wait for ESPN music for NHL again. Yes, if Anthony can fish that out and play it for Tony. There you go. Good stuff there. That that definitely um, is important. See, see, that's it. Here's what I would say, and I said it at the time. When NBC and the OLN rights uh, were taken to the NHL after the lockout, I'm like, okay, NBC, that's a big-time company. But losing ESPN, you lose a little credibility, right? Because ESPN has everything. They've got football. They've got basketball. They've got hockey. I mean, football, basketball, uh, baseball. They've got soccer. And when you're the one sport they don't have, you kind of lose a little credibility. And the fact that that music still resonates almost 20 years later tells you the significance of having ESPN. Here, here's It's going to be the exposure. Um, let's face it. NBC Sportsnet did a great job 
of, of of exposing the sport. But you know, to be on ESPN, I remember when they were on ESPN, you you had to watch um, NHL Tonight with John Butchergrass and Ray Ferraro and Barry Melrose. I mean, these were significant names. You look at TNT and the job they've done with Barkley and with Shaq and with Smith. That's where you can kind of build it up, where it becomes like a destination. It's not just about the game. It's the entertainment there between periods. It's the entertainment in the pre and the post. You know, It can't just be about the X's and O's. As much as I love the X's and O's and most people that listen to this podcast because you single this out to listen and talk about hockey to get the fringe fan you've got to kind of expose them i would i I would not be surprised if charles barkley in some way shape or form is a part of what tnt does he's a huge hockey fan and not just for not analysis wise just to be able to get a big name involved in this sport And, and that's what you need you know, no offense to the guys; they all do a great job. But you know, who's the who's the equivalent of a Shaq or Barkley in the NHL? It was Jeremy Roenick, and he got himself in trouble for sure. But you know, these guys <laughs> these guys analyze the sport great. Keith Jones does a great job. Anson Carter does a great job breaking it down, letting us know what's happening with the sport. But sometimes you just need to get people that are going to pull the average person in to kind of watch and be entertained by. And I think this marriage with TNT and ESPN gets the best chance to do that. Dick says, Don, the Stars looked exceptional last year, as you predicted, but have looked lost for the majority of this season. What happened to them, and what are the chances they make the playoffs? It is that as simple as injuries to Bishop and Sags? Of course. I mean, Sagan being out, Bishop being out, Bishop was – and, and um, their goaltending just has not been what you'd want. And that's, that's a major reason why, too. And I always felt that Dallas was a little top-heavy – but, you know, Robertson has had an explosion here. I think they're going to make the playoffs. Um, so they're not that far off from what they were last year. If, if the divisions didn't get messed around, I think things might be a little bit even easier for them. Being in that central division is tough because you've got so many good teams. The defending Stanley Cup champions who the, the uh, Stars lost to last year. Carolina is one of the best teams. Florida is an upcoming team that you start to have to consider to be one of the best teams in the NHL. So uh, I think the goaltending is really what's betrayed them there. Uh, Sam Diaz, man, your son's having a birthday, which I appreciate. <laughs> Excuse me as I'm coughing. With the, uh, the al- my allergies, by the way, uh, I never had allergies my entire life. And now as I'm getting older, they're killing me. So I apologize for that. Sam says, with the current defenseman already on the New York Rangers squad and their top defensive prospects with defensemen, do you think – Will be traded. Who will be traded during the offseason? Truba or Fo- and Fox are safe, but I'm not sure about Miller, Lingren, and Hayek. Um, what should they do with Smith? Well, Smith Smith is a free agent. He's going to be gone. Right? He's 32 years old. Going to be 33 next year. He has done a tremendous job helping and mentoring this team. He had a big goal last night. But you don't want to you don't want to landlock some of these young players that want to come up here and play. Right? I mean, Zach Jones. Uh, he's played four games. He's got a point. He hasn't made an amazing impact, but they believe in him, right? Uh, Runanin is a kid that came up and played a game here. They believe in him. Other guys that are in their system. Hayek, listen, he's somebody that's got to really, I think, work for a supper here. He's a healthy scratch a couple of times down the stretch. Lingren's not going anywhere. He's locked in with Fox. That's one of the top pairings of the National Hockey League. Miller's not going anywhere. He's quietly become um, a, a real star on this team. So Hayek would probably be the odd man out to me. 
Uh, Tommy said, sad to hear about Andrew Shaw's career coming to an end due to concussions. His energy, toughness, uh, chirps, and fun-loving personality will be missed. My favorite memories of him scoring that triple overtime game-winning goal in 2013 and the headbutt no goal versus Anaheim in 2015. Heart and soul guys are so important, right? So you look back at those Chicago teams and you, you think of Taves, you think of Kane, you think of um, uh, Keith and Seabrook and, and all those great players, and, but you need an Andrew Shaw, right? You need guys that can do a lot of different things. That's what really helps the, your team. So it was sad to see him go because of concussions. Concussions are uh, a real problem in the National Hockey League, as in football. They've taken a lot of careers away. But I was kind of sad to see him go to tremendous career. Again, not flamboyant, not big stats, but just the person that you need uh, for cup runs. So congratulations to uh, him on what has been an amazing career. Jimmy says the Rangers are probably going to run out of time to catch the Bruins or Islanders and make the playoffs. However, in a traditional 82-game season with the normal divisions and scheduling, I believe they would have been a playoff team. Do you agree? Absolutely. And again, take a look at just the circumstances of it. If they're in the North, they're in the playoffs, significantly in the playoffs. I mean, they'd be in third in the North. In the West, in the playoffs. Uh, In the Central Division, in the playoffs by two points in fourth place. So they're in the only division in which they're going to miss the playoffs. And I agree with you. The way they're playing right now, you know, 50 games in, there'd be 32 games left in the season for them to be able to make some hay. And clearly, with the way Zibanejad and Benarit are playing, the way Fox is playing, the way Shesterkin has really exerted himself now as the number one goaltender, you're right. Clearly, uh, they would be a playoff team. Yankees and Penguins, I guess he's showing who he believes in. Hi, Don. Do you think that Coach Q should win the Jack Adams Award? Well, here is what I'll say. Now, you've probably listened to this podcast before, and you've heard me brag about this. I do have a vote. <laughs> I'm very proud to say I have a vote for the Jack Adams. And he is definitely in contention. And I'm not going to show my hand. I'll probably do it a little bit later on because there's still a lot of hockey left to be played here. But he would have to get consideration. But when you look at the Panthers... We kind of saw, I at least saw this coming, right? I really believe that they've had a chance to be a playoff team. So I would say Joel Quinville definitely deserves major consideration for the job that he has done. Because even though I thought they were a playoff team, they are starting to look like one of the best teams in the NHL. And I think that is significant, and that's why he's going to get major consideration. How about Dean Evason? And did anybody have Minnesota competing for first place in the West? A lot of people thought this was going to be a death sentence, them moving out west. Remember, there was they were toying with should St. Louis. Uh, what should we do with St. Louis and Minnesota? Should they be in the west? They stuck Minnesota and St. Louis in the west. Who would have thought that Minnesota would be the one that would thrive there and St. Louis would struggle? So he definitely deserves tremendous consideration for what's happening there. Um, where, where, where do you put Dave Tippett? Did you have Edmonton competing for first place in the north? You know, hey, how about this? And he's a guy that is a candidate almost every year for me. He on a he was on a list of a lot of people that was the first coach to be fired this year. Where do you put Mike Sullivan? I mean, Pittsburgh's competing to win what I think is the toughest division in the NHL. They're three points off being the best team in the NHL, and they've been devastated by injuries this year. And their goaltending is very average. So where do you put Mike Sullivan in the list of Jack Adams candidates? 
I think you put him right near the top. So Joel Quinville is going to have a lot of competition, and I'm going to have a tough time narrowing it down to three. All right, this was a lot of fun. Love the Wednesday one, right smack dab in the middle of the week. So we'll be back with you again on Friday. So here's the homework assignment for you for Friday. Give me your top five of the week. I do the top five, and I will do my top five on the Friday, but I'd love to be able to get your opinion on the top five teams of the week. We'll also get previews for the weekend and just get you going for and get you prepared on Friday as we'll enter the final week of the NHL's regular season. Thanks a lot for participating. This was a lot of fun. Back with you again on Friday. This was the Wednesday edition of Game Misconduct. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca.